The Denver Broncos put up a good fourth quarter effort, but it was not good enough as they fall on the road. Three and two on the season, but they lose 27 to 19. We break down the Broncos' concerning offense and some of the concerns that are starting to raise themselves up on the defensive side of the ball. What do the Broncos do at cornerback? Sarah Bettinger, myself, we break it down on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network. Your team every day. The Broncos dropped a three and two on the season after a road loss where it didn't seem like they ever got off the bus. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, Sarah Bettinger, as we break down the Broncos post-game report here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Just a reminder, Lockdown Broncos is free and available everywhere you get your podcasts, and thank you so much for making this podcast your first listen of the day. Sarah, my friend, look, I don't even know if there's enough words that we could put into just how frustrating the Sunday product was for this Denver Broncos football team losing two games in a row, my man. A lot to break down here today for Broncos country. It is. It is a lot to break down, and it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. You know, this was a game that I think, based on the way the Steelers had been playing this season, I feel like everyone in Broncos country not necessarily thought, okay, easy victory against the Steelers, but definitely more of a winnable game than it seemed like when the schedule was released. Anytime you go into Pittsburgh, it's a tough environment. But we we talked about this last week, Cody. Ben Roethlisberger is not necessarily cooked or done or whatever you want to say. Yeah. I mean, he's still a very smart player, still capable of pushing the ball downfield. So the Denver Broncos, unfortunately, had to learn that the hard way. Yeah, well, what went wrong, Broncos country? Well, we're going to tell you right here, everything went wrong. I mean, from the moment they got off the bus, look, and not to make an excuse, I don't think it's a valid excuse. It may, may have a little bit of a factor into it, but obviously the Broncos got in late last night doesn't really affect too much because you're not doing anything strenuous on the flight over. You're resting, you're recovering. So you get off the flight, you get checked into your hotel room, you go to sleep, you wake up, you have morning meeting, breakfast, and then bam, you're off to the stadium. So that's not much of an excuse there. Maybe logistically, if they had more time, I don't know. I mean, would that have made a difference? Probably not because really what boils down to the Broncos execution on both sides of the ball on Sunday against the Steelers, it was bad. And when your special teams unit is your best unit of the day, Sarah, there's a problem. And so let's go to the roots here. Obviously in a 27 to 19 victory, so many opportunities where we look back and we say, wow, what would have happened if this happened? I felt like that could be applicable on so much. Alexander Johnson has two interceptions in his hands that he drops. And subsequently after that, Pittsburgh Steelers go out and they score a touchdown. So there's 14 points off of two missed turnover opportunities. That's the part I hate the most about football, Sarah, the what if, what could have happened, but it's not good enough in the NFL. The Broncos, their issues continued. Let's start on the offensive side. I mean, really, this is the, the key theme. They got going in the fourth quarter, but it doesn't matter at that point when you can't get it together for three quarters. Two of 12 on third down is a evident concern here. The Broncos couldn't do anything anytime they got the football and anytime they had a big play, it came back. The best play of the day, one of the early on in that first half was Javante Williams' big time run down to the two-yard line. He gets excited, spikes the ball, five-yard penalty, and then all of a sudden you take a 12-yard sack and you have to settle for a field goal. It's just like that's the story of the Broncos' offense. And Broncos fans have every right to be upset. This, in my opinion, Sarah, was a failure on behalf of the coaching staff to prepare these guys. The players didn't execute. But, man, once again, for the second consecutive week, Denver gets out coached. Exactly. And we talked about this leading up to the game, the fact that we wanted the Broncos to come out in this contest and really impose their will. They haven't done that 
so far this season, even in the games that they've, you know, kind of dominated in the end against the Giants, the Jaguars and the Jets, three pretty bad teams, obviously. But in, even in those games, they didn't necessarily establish themselves as sort of the alpha. I mean, if that's the way you want to put it, to, so to speak. So what I'm talking about is the fact that you come out in this game, you don't exactly establish yourself at the line of scrimmage in the running game offensively. You don't establish, hey, we can do anything we want in the passing game. There was none of that from the Broncos offense, it seemed more like Pat Shermer was once again, not necessarily experimenting, but really trying to force that running game in there to get some kind of continuity or to gain some bigger chunks on first and second down to put the passing game in manageable situations. We just haven't seen that from the running game. And I know, of course, I, I somebody tweeted at me, look at Javante Williams yard per carry average. It's like, that doesn't matter. It all came off of one big run. The, the fact of the matter is the Broncos running game just simply isn't working out right now. Yeah. So I'm not saying abandon it completely. Of course, we argued against that all last week. Everybody spent a whole week, you know, debating with Pat Shermer online, getting mad online about the <laughs> fact that he abandoned the running game. But man, if the if the offensive line isn't generating a push, if they're not winning their their matchups, if they're not winning the line of scrimmage, there's no point in trying to establish that running game because what did we see? Run, run, pass. Run, run, pass. That's the, I mean, we might as well be chanting it at this point. That's what we saw in the first <laughs> half. The Broncos offense was just a little too predictable in that regard. And on passing downs, when you're predictable, especially when you empty out the backfield, that to me doesn't make any sense, by the way. But there's just so many different things I think Pat Shermer is doing. I think it's accurate to say at this point, early in games, he's not calling good plays. He's not. He's either not writing a good 15-play script, he's not calling good plays, he's not understanding the game flow, he's not exploiting defensive tendencies that are, that are poor. All of those things are coming together to make it look like the Broncos are completely inept on that side of the ball. Well, and we're going to describe, obviously, some of the bigger issues on the offensive side of the ball, some things specifically in this game in our upcoming portion here on the show but even just going back to what you had said there we had said in our, our keys to victory the Broncos they need to come out in this game and they need to dictate the pace here and they didn't do that I mean the Steelers came in from the very onset smacked them in the mouth and look we'll talk about Kyle Fuller we'll talk about the Broncos defense here in a little bit but looking at the Broncos defense I mean this game is sort of our game recap obviously the Broncos dropping a three and two on the season two games in a row losing to AFC North conference opponents you look at Pittsburgh, 7 of 12 efficiency on third down. Completely unacceptable. We'll dive into the defense bread and butter there here in a second. And then the Broncos defense giving up 147 rushing yards to the NFL's 32nd ranked rushing offense. It's just a simply embarrassing performance by the Broncos offense and defense. Just collectively as a team today, there's no other way to put it. But we're going to talk about the Broncos offense and why something needs to change, not, not just next week, but immediately right now in the philosophy and the thinking of the Broncos offensive staff and just personnel. Coming up here in just a moment, we're going to get to that. But before we do that, let me tell you about the sponsor. Today's post-game report is good friends over there at DirecTV Stream. And does this sound familiar to you? You're always hassling to find the remote. You're trying to figure out the login to your best friends, neighbors, uncles, catfishes, log into whatever thing that they have. Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore with Direct TV Stream where you get all your live sports, your live TV, your on-demand favorites all in one place. You can cut the cord today. And Direct TV Stream, it brings you everything from live TV on-demand favorites together in one place like never before. So you can watch all of that in one place. That means no more juggling those remotes. Like I said, you don't have to buy any more devices ever again with Direct TV Stream today. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can check out directtv.com for more details compatible device required content varies by package 
All right, Sarah, opening up the second half action on today's episode, Lockdown Broncos postgame report. A very disappointing 27-19 loss by the Denver Broncos. A comeback attempt fueled by the offense, who put it together in the fourth quarter, but too late for them to actually get in a rhythm here. I want to focus on some of these issues. We alluded to some of them just a moment ago in our game recap, but let's talk about the last two weeks for the Broncos. Really, this has been the every se- every week. So five weeks of the season, third down has been an issue for this team. In the last two games combined, they are 5 of 26 on third down. If that's not a telling issue as to, hey, something needs to change with this offense, with the philosophy, then I don't know what is. But we've seen in the last two weeks the Broncos, they're going backwards on first down, and they're also facing third and longs. And on those third and longs, look, I understand Teddy's going to try to take what the defense gives him, but I felt like in this game against Pittsburgh, we really saw him going through the short stuff. Third and 15, you're going to throw out five yards and try to get yards after the catch, try to get favorable field position for a field goal. That is not sustainable. And, Sarah, I think what we've seen from the Broncos' offense in these last two weeks, like I said, I wanted to have an open mind. Okay, hey, look, the offense are doing some really good things in these in the, in the first three weeks of the season. Yes, it's against bad opponents, but you still have to execute and do those things. Now they're not doing the things that they were good at in those games. And that, to me, I think is a little bit of a concern when we talk about what you have on your plate, whether it's your bread, your meat, your potatoes. There is a bigger picture here, and a lot of it is on the coaching staff. Exactly, it is. And we've talked about a, a number of issues, whether it's the play calling in general or whether it's specifically what Teddy Bridgewater is seeing on these third down plays it's really tough to say one or the other it's kind of a chicken or the egg type of thing I mean is Teddy Bridgewater throwing uh, in front of the sticks because that's the play that's designed or is he throwing it in front of the sticks because that's you know just just a conservative play to either you know punt or not turn it over or whatever the case may be it's really frustrating to see just because not, not that you have to go deep on every third and 12 or whatever the case may be. There's yeah. times where those dump offs and screens do work, but at the same time, there was another third down play later in this game where Teddy was trying to throw it to Kendall Hinton, who was two yards short of the line to gain. And the ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage by Cam Hayward, which saved us an opportunity to bag on Teddy Bridgewater had Kendall Hinton actually caught the ball, mm-hmm. you know, because he was, he would have been tackled immediately and in front of the stick. So that to me just doesn't make any sense. And you've got too many receivers that are, there was times where the receivers are all running the same exact route. And it's like, well, None of those receivers running the same exact route ended up open. So I guess what do we do? We either take a sack or we have to throw it away. I think there's way too many low percentage plays being called on third downs, whether Pat Shermer is asking Teddy Bridgewater to throw it way too far downfield or whether he's throwing it way too short in front of the sticks. It's just not a formula for success on third down. And we're seeing the results of that. We're seeing the results of the Broncos just simply being either too conservative or too aggressive, not playing to the strengths of their players, which we know, Cody, as you and I have talked about a number of times, yards after the catch, where's the yards after catch opportunities for Noah Fant? I didn't see that in this game. Like you mentioned when we were talking before the show, one no, no targets before the fourth quarter. And then after that, just a couple. So it was – I mean, that's tough to watch. That's tough to yeah. stomach because early in the game, your strategy is to have Noah Fant blocking TJ Watt, which no offensive tackles can really do. So you're asking your receiving tight end to block the best pass rusher in the game, arguably – I just I don't understand it. And it leads to those opportunities on third down that don't that they, they're just not high percentage looks for your offense. It leads to sacks of Teddy Bridgewater. It leads to tip balls at the line of scrimmage. It leads to this, that, and the other. And ultimately, 
it's led to stressful, you know, end of game situations and and two straight losses for this team. Well, and it's out there too the blueprint on how to really stop the Broncos offense. Look, and, and I want to clarify this too, Broncos country. The Broncos don't have a quarterback problem. They have an offensive problem, right? And then that trickles down to quarterback. It trickles down to offensive line and protection. It trickles down to injuries where the Broncos don't clearly have a wide receiver that can create that separation. But you also are not going to the guys that can make and you know win those 50-50 balls. It took the Broncos until really that second quarter and that final kind of drive there to really try to get the ball to Cortland Sutton who had a couple of catches and then the Broncos had to punt the football away and then you open up you go to Cortland you go to Tim Patrick but Tim Patrick only had one target in that first half and going back to what you mentioned about Noah Fant there zero targets through the first three quarters of action he's a first round tight end that you drafted specifically to be an offensive weapon for you and he's not utilized more so just as a blocker you have Eric Saubert you have Andrew Beck guys that you could have utilized in protection if you wanted to go 13 personnel you could have done that but Noah Fant is not being used as a weapon he's not being used as a receiving option consistently enough and that to me that is on the coaching staff Sarah I don't think anybody will disagree with you and I here if we say look the Broncos on offense they have the talent they have personnel to be successful but they are just not doing it so it comes down to a fundamental issue and this is the argument too about the new NFL the modern era where you look at coaches you look at a lot of these young coaches that are offensive minds that are getting these big time jobs or you're looking at like even Brandon Staley right now is getting a lot of praise for the Chargers but they have a young offensive mind over there helping out with Herbert they're playing to their team's strengths which it seems like the Broncos aren't simply doing that on the offensive side of the ball that is a coaching issue and look I just couldn't help but wonder sitting there watching this game and thinking to myself what is George Payton thinking about right now like what is what's going through his mind because it's evident the Broncos it's a whole entire offensive unit problem we've seen for the second consecutive week in a row how much you miss having KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy out there just from a separation standpoint but even when they come back how are you going to scheme to get those guys open if you're not placating to I think what your strength is as a football team which it has to be to run the ball but Sarah as you mentioned if you're not getting pushed if you're going backwards on first down you can't run the ball on second and long because then you're going to face either a third and long or you're going to face a third and medium and that's not a good formula for sustainability in the NFL the blueprint is out there the Broncos offense it's easy to go against them now it's predictable something has to change or the Broncos might have to make a change and Sarah that's what I want to ask now because look I get it there's a lot of Broncos fans say hey look Pat Shermer has to go. If, if you're going to fire Pat Shermer, who would be a guy that could take over as the interim? I look at Curtis Mockins, who has offensive coordinator experience. I look at Zach Azani, who has a passing game coordinator experience. But how does that change the philosophy of this football team, even if you make that change in season? It definitely would fire some guys up, I think. I mean, of course, you know, pun intended on that one either. But, I mean, I think it would definitely get your players kind of to wake up a little bit. And I don't know that it's necessarily like you mentioned – it does seem like a coaching issue. It doesn't seem like a player's issue. It feels like the Broncos need all of Twitter to come in and be the offensive coordinator. Um, but the second best option outside of that might be Zach Azani. You know, I think that he's yeah. kind of a rising up and coming guy in this league. He's a coach that I think is going to get some looks outside of just being a wide receivers coach in the near future. And you can still let him coordinate the offense and be the receivers coach. There's plenty of coaches in the league that do those types of things. So I think that that's, an option and I think you have to consider it maybe in the near future and I don't know that Vic Fangio will we've seen how long the leash is for you know Tom yeah. McMahon on the special teams and so it's hard to imagine of course Rich Scangarello was let go after just one season which 
that's a whole the office other, was playing you know, so much better than this product is it, it it really was and that's that's tough because there was plenty of times where we were like man rich gangarella does this guy know how, like the flow <laughs> right? of the game does he even understand what he's doing out there of course he had some brilliant play designs but that's that may be the same issue with pat Shermer. man you've got some really brilliant play designs out there but you've got to understand game flow. You can't just go out there and run it on first down and for a two yard loss or a zero, you know, a, a net zero on the play, and then go out and just smash it again. You know, late in the late in the game in the fourth quarter, you're running some kind of horizontal like backwards pitch to Javante Williams coming across the field. I mean, I don't understand it. And of course, they look really good if it works. But at the same time, when it doesn't work, you just can't help but think back to all these different plays that didn't work. And it's like, well. Does Pat Shermer actually, you know, know what he's doing calling games out there right now? It doesn't seem like he's very self-aware. It doesn't seem like he's playing to his players' strengths. It doesn't seem like he's getting the right guys involved early and often. And obviously, how many games in a row that Pat Shermer has been the coordinator have the Broncos failed to score on the opening drive? That's been a huge, huge problem. I believe 20, 24 games, right? So, I mean, 24 straight games, and who's been the coordinator for those games? So, of course, Rich Gangarello, you know, he had his issues. But Pat Shermer, man, you've got an opportunity with Teddy Bridgewater. This guy is completing a, a high percentage of his throws, and I just don't understand what the what the disconnect is early in games here. It's definitely yeah. frustrating, and it's it's tough to watch. You can't afford to get off to slow starts against good football teams. And look, hats off to the Steelers defense. They brought the intensity. They came after everybody. They were aggressive. And look, I, I like the way that the Broncos responded in that, in that fourth quarter. But it, like I said, it's it's too little too late. You can't wait until that type of effort in that fourth quarter to get there. And he, you still had a chance. And look, Teddy threw an interception to seal the game on fourth down. It was an outbreaking route. He throws it too far inside. The corner's playing it perfectly. And it, it's just an accumulation. So like I said, Broncos country, it is an offensive issue going down from obviously quarterback mistakes, coaching mistakes, so on and so forth. I, I think that there's a lot of pressure. Something needs to change here. And, and this is a big week because now the Las Vegas Raiders are coming to town, which poses some questions here for the Broncos defense. And we're going to address some of the issues that we saw in this game against the Steelers that have us concerned going forward. Coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, let me tell you about the other post-game sponsor of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. They're good friends over there at Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market. And I tell you what, Sarah, I'm so glad that you finally got your churro puff box in the mail. Fantastic. Honestly, it's the best tasting flavor of Bill Bar I've ever had, which is a, a lot to say because they have a lot of amazing flavors. Peanut butter brownie, salt caramel, double chocolate, uh, apple almond crisp. They have so many flavors at Built.com. But I also like Built Bar, Sarah, not only just for the great taste, but because it's the healthiest protein bar that is out there on the market. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. The perfect combination between healthy and dessert. You get the best of both worlds there. And you can get your hands on a box of Built Bar today by going to Built.com using promo code LOCK15. That's going to get you 15% off your next order at built.com. Once again, promo code LOCK15 is going to get you 15% off at built.com. Get your hands on a box of Churro Puff Built Bar today. Jumping into the fourth quarter action, today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, our post-game report. Just want to say thank you, Broncos country, for making Lockdown Broncos your first listen every single day. We appreciate your support, whether you're watching here on YouTube or you can hit the subscribe button, turn on notifications so you never miss out on everything. I know the things are doomy and gloomy right now, Broncos country, and there's a lot to be concerned about. But Sarah and myself, we will always try to be a voice of reason to help guide Broncos country through the tumultuous waters that is the NFL season and apparently the Broncos offensive season so far. But Sarah, look, let's uh, let's talk about the defense here. You know, as advertised through the first three weeks, 
We saw some setbacks, I think, in week four where they really tried to sell out against the run. They stopped the run for the most part collectively in that game against Baltimore. They limited those opportunities outside of a couple of big plays. But, man, from the onset of this game against a 32nd-ranked rushing offense, this defense gave up a buck 47, and they gave up 7-12 to on third down to Big Ben and company. Just so many missed opportunities. But let's talk about really the bigger concern here on defense. Now, people are going to say, well, the Broncos' secondary is a huge concern. I'm not as worried about Patrick Sertan, Bryce Callahan, Kareem Jackson, not even Justin Simmons. I'm more worried about Kyle Fuller, who, when you look back on this game, he gave up well over 100 yards to multiple receivers combined in this matchup. And Pittsburgh and other teams this season, they have targeted him, and they've gone after him. And he's also failed to come up and tackle. And it was really evident on Sunday where this, I think, was Kyle Fuller's worst game as a Bronco. I think so, too. I think there's no question about it. He has been giving up big plays all season, though. So we knew going into this game, that was kind of what's the the weak link on this in this secondary is Kyle Fuller giving up big plays. And so that was once again the problem. And you and I touched on this in the crossover episode that we did. I was concerned about this going into this game, not just because of Kyle Fuller, but because this is simply what Ben Roethlisberger does against the Denver Broncos. At one point or another during the game, he has a 50-plus yard completion to somebody and of course in this game it had to be against Kyle Fuller and then of course you have the pass interference which argue the call all you want it still happened so yeah then he had another play where he was out on the perimeter trying to make a tackle and he just kind of froze so multiple was, third downs too yeah multiple third down conversions for the Steelers because of Kyle Fuller and I just think it's a good time for Ron Darby to come back. I think Patrick Sertan has done enough to where if he's not in the starting lineup with Ronald Darby this coming week, and of course Bryce Callahan in the slot, I would be very surprised and I'd be a little upset by that. Not because not, not to say that Kyle Fuller doesn't deserve a second chance, but we know that Vic Fangio is all about the meritocracy. He's all about earning your stripes out there. Yeah. He's all about the best player must play. And I don't feel like Kyle Fuller's been the best player. And Fangio even said it after the game. Look, he had a bad game. So so not necessarily to say you bench the guy permanently, but maybe you do bench him for, for a week or so and just kind of give him a chance to reset mentally. And you never know what that could do for a guy when you when you throw him on the bench and things like that. But, but man, it's been brutal. And Fuller's got to be self-aware enough to be able to see that as well. And the Broncos have to – they have to figure something out. You can't keep giving up big plays. And now you're going up against a Raiders team that has a lot of explosive vertical threats in the passing game, notably – Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, Brian Edwards, these guys all make big plays. And, and I just don't think the Broncos can afford those kind of errors in a, in a huge divisional matchup. You, you just lost two big AFC games against teams that plan on being in contention throughout the year. So now you've got two tiebreakers against you. So you've got to win one back against the Raiders in a desperate, desperate way. The Broncos are going to be scratching and calling against this Raiders team. And, and frankly, to me, Kyle Fuller needs to be benched for that game. Oh, I know he's no longer a Denver Bronco, but remember when Vic Fangio benched Isaac Yadam a few years ago, and then when he finally earned his way back in, he played phenomenal for them. He, he really did to end the season. Look, Kyle Fuller's a veteran. He knows his defense. And, and really going back to his plays that he gave up, it's an execution thing. It's not like the, you know, the guy's making a great play against him and that he's got great 
great coverage. He is getting burnt. He is getting beat, and they are targeting him on the vertical stuff. They're targeting him on in-breaking routes. And look, you have to put a guy like Ronald Darby out there opposite of you know a star player right now, a rising rookie player in Patrick Sertan, who look who's had his struggles too. Patrick Sertan in this game came up, and he missed several tackles. There's no excuse in that. The defense as a whole, they looked rough outside, you know, bits and pieces and spurts. Malik Reed obviously had a great game. We talked about the dropped interceptions by Alexander Johnson. I The run defense is starting to concern me a little bit now. And it looks there, it also goes back. I mean, I think we're seeing right now how much the Broncos are missing Josie Jewell at this point at the inside backer position. Justin Sternod, you know, like I said, there's things that he does really well, but he's still a young guy. So he's going to make more of these mistakes than a veteran guy like Josie Jewell is. It's evident as day. So in your opinion, to close out today's episode, Lockdown Broncos postgame report, what do you think the bigger issue is right now with the Broncos defense, and how do you think they solve it? I think you're spot on there with with Justin Sternada. And obviously, Kyle Fuller's situation, we've addressed that at length, but they yeah. are missing Josie Jewell. And I think that they understood that based on their scouting from the first four weeks, right? That's why you go out and you try out players like Avery Williamson and, and Dylan Cole. And they signed Avery Williamson, the veteran inside linebacker, to the practice squad. So we know that he's on uh, he's he's on notice right now. They they brought him in. They said, "All right, here's the playbook. Let's get you onto the field as soon as possible." I wouldn't be surprised Cody at all if Avery Williamson is kind of replacing Justin Sternot as the number 1 inside linebacker next to Alexander Johnson, of course, in the coming weeks here. As soon as he gets up to speed on that playbook, I think Justin Sternot is going to revert to his previous previously planned role as kind of being a nickel or dime linebacker player option for them because that's what he's excelling at he he had a really big error in this game in my opinion uh, one of the biggest runs from the for the game from Najee Harris he, he he came off the right guard who did a great job of sealing the defensive lineman but Justin Sternod just didn't fit in right behind him he yeah. just completely he, he completely whiffed and Najee Harris even he went to stiff arm him and there was no – Justin Sernod took such a bad angle that he didn't even hit his helmet or, or shoulder pads or anything. He threw a stiff arm at, at air, and I think he was even surprised by that. But Sernod's angle was just so poor that he, he wasn't there to fit his lane, and that was a huge issue to me in the running game. We've seen some good from him, but we've also seen some bad. And Avery Williamson, we know throughout his career, he's excelled against the run. He's been one of those reliable guys in that regard. So I think that's obviously a direction you've got to go. You bring a guy in, he's going to play, and I think he could make a big difference. Yeah, and just looking at the defense too, you know, same thing as the offense. Players didn't execute, and I felt like the coaches, I felt like Vic was out coached in this game. You know, sad to say, look, I'm a big Vic Fangio fan, a big supporter of him. I like his defensive philosophy, but you know, when you're just getting snake bit by the same stuff for the you know two consecutive weeks in a row, it is a cause for concern. And I understand, but you have to be willing to adjust a little bit and, and change things that aren't working. And it felt like they still stuck with the same game plan in some situations. It came back to bite them in the tail once again here. So not just a, a collectively bad day by the Broncos offense, defense, coaching staff, everybody. And unfortunately, you know, we're sitting here, we're talking about a, a loss, the second loss in the season for the Broncos, who had gotten off to a, a three, you know, start at one point, drop and two in a row and look it doesn't get any easier the Raiders the Browns and then you have another matchup coming in and then you, you watched him football team or hopefully Jerry Judy will be back and then you have the Eagles and then the Cowboys and then a bye week I mean it is a brutal 
first half end of the stretch here for the Broncos. So, Sarah, my friend, Broncos country, thank you so much for being graceful with us as we try to navigate through these waters. But look, you know, Sarah, I think one thing to kind of leave in this message, we know a lot of changes are coming with this Broncos organization at the end of season. Some could happen in season, but we know there are going to be a lot of changes after the season. Doesn't give you much to look forward to, but some things that maybe some good things could be coming down the pike for the Denver Broncos. But that's why Sarah and I, we have you covered every single day. Lockdown Broncos available on your favorite audio podcast and platforms free, not to mention on YouTube. You can watch us. So make sure you hit that subscribe button, turn on notifications so you can interact with both Sarah and myself. We appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to us talk Broncos, even through the thick and thin, the bad times, the good times. Sarah and I were always here for that. So Broncos country, my high salute to you. Thank you so much. We'll be back tomorrow for a brand new episode. Lockdown Broncos, send in your mailbag questions to us on Twitter at Cody Work NFL, at Sarah Bettinger. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>